Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. This morning, it's part three of our series, but don't worry if you've missed some of the other bits. Um, you'll, you'll still be able to follow the flow of what we're bringing today. It's called the Spiritual Health Plan, and it comes from a verse in Deut- Deuteronomy which talks about us loving the Lord our God with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength, which is also repeated in Luke chapter 10 and Jesus then adds and love your neighbour as yourself and that's the basis of the Christian faith is being people who give God our all, Uh, we love neighbours as ourselves. we live in a way uh, a life which glorifies God and today I'm going to be talking to us about worshipping God with all of our mind. When I first got this, I thought, oh, Ben's made a mistake, or might have been Anthony who made the mistake choosing Deborah Green, the massive intellect Deborah Green, to preach on the mind. I'm sure there's other people that could... What are you laughing at, Andy? (laughs) I'm sure there's other people that are way more intellectual than I am this morning. But I've really enjoyed getting into um, this theme, and really it's not about... um, how clever we are and how intellectual we are. But what this is about is when we, when, we, um, when we surrender our intellect, actually, when we surrender our minds to the Spirit of God and we, when we allow God to fill us with his Spirit, to use our minds and to um, even defy when our minds are telling us one thing and the Spirit is telling us another, that we can have the courage to live a life which glorifies God. So between your ears is the most significant um, organ called the brain. And I just want to read out some statistics about the brain. So it's um, even in the, the, um, it's apparently the brain, um, a sign of intelligence is memory. Right, but I can't really remember um, where I've got some of this information from. But I want to read out um, some stuff about the brain just to start us off, to get us thinking. So to do this on your head and say, think brain, think, engage today and let's learn something together. A typical brain is about 2% of the body's weight. No one knows for sure, but the latest estimate is that our brain contains roughly 86 billion brain cells. All brains are not alike, contrary to popular opinion. There are as many as about 10,000 specific types of neurons in the brain. Um, There's a myth going around that... um, we only use 10% of our brain. I've always believed that myth until looking up and studying this week, found out actually that's not true. We use most of our brain, some of it probably use it a little bit more than others. (laughs) Babies have the biggest heads and can hold a rapidly growing brain. A two-year-old's brain is about 80% of the size of adults. So babies, if you want some, if you want some bright news, go and speak to a baby. The average brain is believed to generate about 50,000 thoughts per day. Disturbingly estimated that in most people's case, 70% of our thoughts are negative. 
And if you want to know more about that, go online and listen to Anthony's sermon from last week. Um, This one, I nearly didn't want to read it out, but I will. In general, men's brains are 10% bigger than women's brains. (laughs) Sit down, Josh. Even I gave birth to you. (laughs) Even after taking into account the larger body size. Never mind about that one. Humans don't have the biggest brains. That honour belongs to the sperm whale with 17-pound brains. Our brains are getting smaller. Over the last 10 to 20 years, the size of the average... Sorry, 10 to 20,000 years, the size of the average human brain has shrunk by the size of a tennis ball. Right, this is a good one. Multitasking, ladies, makes you less productive. So it's really anti-women, this this survey, isn't it? When you multitask, your brain simply rapidly toggles back and forth between tasks and diminishes your attention span. Another one that you probably won't like. Surprisingly, millennials aged 18 to 34 are more forgetful than baby boomers. They are more likely to forget what day it is or where they put their keys than their parents. Everyone's nodding at that one. Our attention spans are shorter. In the year 2000, the average attention span was 12 seconds. Now it's eight seconds scary as that. Your brain storage capacity is considered virtually unlimited and it doesn't get used up like a RAM in your computer. The average brain is believed to generate around 50,000 thoughts a day. I've already done that one. Right, that's it. (laughs) Just shows you what I was saying before about me. So, the brain, the mind the seat of our thinking, where we make decisions, where the the thing that controls our body, the thing that controls the way that we live our life. The first thing is, contrary to what a lot of people think about the Christian faith, the Christian faith does not um, encourage us to leave our our brains and our thinking behind. The Christian faith isn't about um, Christianity versus the intellect. If you you want to study and if you want to call yourself intellectual, then surely you can't be a Christian. Um, The Bible encourages to use our minds. A mind needs to be used, needs to be fully employed in Um, in the activity of life and helping to make this planet a better place and to improve the lives of human beings. And there's a lot of really intelligent Christians in history. I've just picked out a few uh, famous scientists to uh, tell us um, that these, these folks were Christians and, um, you know, there's Galileo, the Italian astronomer, the physicist, the engineer, René Descartes, the French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, some of these people you would have heard of, the French mathematician actually died at the age of 38, had ill health from the age of 18, but was the inventor of the calculator and all sorts of other amazing things. There's Even Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, has recently said this, religious education is crucial in schools for British children to understand their history and culture. 
I think that it's an important part of our culture, said Dawkins, to know about the Bible. After all, so much of the English literature has allusions to the Bible. If you look up the Oxford English Dictionary, you can find something like the same number of quotations for the Bible as from Shakespeare. So the mind is to be used. The mind is a gift from God and we should love the Lord our God with all of our minds. Let me read you this quote from C.S. Lewis. Supposing there was no intelligence behind the universe, no creative mind. In that case, nobody designed my brain for the purpose of thinking. It is merely that which when atoms inside my skull happen for physical or chemical reasons to rearrange themselves in a certain way that gives me as a byproduct the sensation I call thought. But if so, how can I trust my own thinking to be true? It's like upsetting a milk jug and hoping that the way it splashes itself will give you a map of London. But if I can't trust my own thinking, of course I can't trust the arguments leading to atheism. And therefore I have no reason to be an atheist or anything else. Unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought. And so, that I can, and so I can never use thoughts to disbelieve in God. I love that. Very clever. <laughs> you notice how he does that. Very clever. So the mind is to be used. And then the Bible says the mind is to be transformed. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing will. This literally means to be uh, moulded or stamped according to God's pattern. How many of us know that we can't transform our own minds? If you try it, it doesn't work. It's a spiritual thing that happens to us when we engage in a relationship with the creator God and the Father. The world here is not planet earth it's actually the spirit of the age it's the it's the way that people live their lives according to the pattern that they see around them that other people are living uh, the judgments that people make um, contrary in many ways to the spirit of the lord it's actually the word transformed here is the word metamorphosis where we will literally uh, become someone else because of the spirit of God living within us and this happens not in a way that we can make happen but as a result of the spirit of God living um, amongst us so the renewal of our minds is really really a, a key thing that God wants to bring into our lives and it's a process it's a continual process it's a, not a one uh, once, uh, once happening it's continual as we keep seeking to trust God and live life by the spirit now last week Anthony showed uh, a photograph of when he and Zoe got married and um, shared a story about um, commitment really and how Zoe was committed that she wanted to marry a Christian my story is a little bit different from that so um, there's a little uh, picture of our wedding and um, <laughs> And um, actually, a lot of people think that that's my first husband, no. but it is actually Frank. No way. <laughs> and um, we had a little bit of a different story to uh, Zoe and Anthony, because actually, me and Frank weren't Christians when we got married. Um, 
37 years ago and um, we, we got married in a church. A lot of people got married in church in those days, um, even though they're not Christ followers. It was the kind of the traditional thing to do. I shouldn't really technically be wearing a white dress because the way that we'd lived our lives prior to getting married um, was just like partying, drinking and going out and, uh, you know, messing around in relationships and just looking basically for a good time. And so, but we did get married in church and um, the transforming and renewing of my mind started on my wedding day which is one of the reasons I'm so passionate to marry uh, Chris, uh, unchurched people and I'm hoping it comes back in fashion actually that people decide to get married in a church because something really significant happened on our wedding day. So we're in the service and it's about halfway through and we're singing the 23rd Psalm, which is the well-known hymn, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You know that hymn. And um, we struggled to know many of the, uh, of the Christian hymns because, as I said, we weren't Christians and we weren't, weren't, weren't churchgoers, but we knew that from Sunday school days. So we're singing this hymn and all of a sudden... There's what I can only describe as a presence, a spiritual presence entered into the church, Trinity Methodist Church in Bramhall. Um, I don't think even the, 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 the minister who married us was, was really a born-again Christian because he certainly didn't try and get Frank and I into Christianity, explore class or make any attempt to talk to us about why we were getting married in church and the significance of our vows. He just married us. So this spiritual presence suddenly comes around and it's like somebody's actually standing there who's not there. Um, I didn't know really uh, that it was God at the time but I knew that there was something really significant about what was happening and it really blew me away I could hardly concentrate on the rest of the service because of this presence and then we, we fit the service finished and we got in the car to go to the um, reception uh, that looks a bit more like Frank doesn't it what earth did you get those glasses from in the 1980s um, and um, and all I could think about was what had happened in this service. And I, I was trying to find out if anybody else had experienced it apart from me. So I said to Frank, um, what, what, ha what happened then in, in the church? And he went, we got married. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not quite as grumpy as that. And, and I went, yeah, apart from that, did you, did you, because I didn't want to put words in his mouth. So I said, did you sort of sense anything and he went oh yeah you mean when we were singing that hymn and there was like this presence and it was kind of a god thing and I went yeah so you experienced it as well so we talked about it all the way to the reception and then at the reception best man Pete who was an atheist we talked to him and he went yeah it was a bit like a god thing said, but you don't believe in god I know but it was like god so yeah okay it was like god and that so that that process started me on a journey of, I want to find out more. And a few months later, um, my dad got up one day and he put a suit on on a Sunday, which he didn't normally do. And he went out and found a church. He'd been 
away from God since being a young man. And he, he just had an emptiness in it, he said, in his life. And he just needed to, to find out if there, was, if there was a church where he could reconnect with God. He went along and he became a Christian, re recommitted his life to God, came home. And he was so transformed. He was so different. I went with him the following week and I gave my life to Christ. So here's me now, a young married woman. I've only been married for a few months and I've become a Christian and found myself married to an unbeliever who... Um, was really angry actually about me being a Christian. He told me afterwards that it felt a bit like um, I had another man in my life and I kept talking about Jesus all the time. We had another car story where we were going along in the car one day a few months after I became a Christian and I'd start talking about Jesus and apparently I would talk about Jesus all the time and um, he said to me, "If you, Deborah, if you don't shut up talking about this Jesus, he said, I'm going to pull the car over, you can get out and that's it. So I forgot about it after a few minutes and I started talking about Jesus again. <laughs> and he pulled up on the hard shoulder, he made me get out of the car and he drove off and I thought, right, that's it. You know, I've, got, I've had to make a choice here. But a few months later, after a, a lot of badgering, well, sorry, a few months later he came back to pick me up. No, he actually came back to pick me up after 10 minutes. I'm trying to tell the story quickly. Uh, and a few months later he gave his life to Christ. But it all started out the renewing of God's uh, of, of our minds when the Holy Spirit enters our life and we give our and we surrender our life to Christ. Our minds belong to Him, and we don't have to stress things and we don't have to work things out. And that renewal process continues. And um, we, the Bible actually talks about us having a mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And when we enter into a relationship, the process with Christ, the process of transformation begins. It's like we start thinking and feeling and judging more like Christ. It doesn't mean that we know everything Christ knows, nor does it mean that we know with the same degree of clarity as him. But our minds become renewed and our minds become more like Christ as we live our life in a Godward direction. But then something happens which just blows all of this into a different perspective because there are times where your mind is just blown. When the miracles of Christ happen, when we see amazing things in front of us that we just can't explain. How many have experienced that? Something has happened in your life or in your friend's life or in somebody in your family and you, there's just no intellectual explanation. There's no logical or rational explanation. It's just something that happened and this really messes with people's heads it messes with my head messes with your head when God does something that you can't explain like that presence in the in the in the church that day I can't explain it I don't know how it happened but I know it's a God thing and when God comes in and blows our minds with his miracles then we really again have to surrender our intellect when our intellect is telling us something else don't we our intellect has to be submitted to the miracles of Christ and the religious people of Jesus day absolutely hated it when he performed miracles it's a really weird thing you'd think that they would be really happy about him healing sick people 
uh, when he walked on the water, when he fed 5,000, surely that's a good thing, feeding 5,000 people. They absolutely hated it. It, it. it really, to the point that they really didn't even want him around. Let's look at Mark chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Uh, a healing miracle of Jesus and the response of the religious people of the day. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him to see if he would heal anybody on the Sabbath, because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is it lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Stretch out your hand, he said to the man. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then look at verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot how they might kill Jesus. You know, the, they, they didn't like his miracles. They, they couldn't, it messes with them, with their thinking. It messes with their theology even. That of what you're meant to do, but when a miracle comes into our life, when we can't explain it, that's the time when we need to just allow the Spirit of God to show us uh, what he's doing. And I want to share with you um, a miracle, a couple of miracle stories that I've seen happen in the last few years, because miracles are still happening today. Things that we can't explain, supernatural things that come upon us and around us and so a few years ago I was asked to go and preach at Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow. Anybody in from Scotland today? Give me a cheer. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that, I knew you were. And I was preaching at Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow and I was asked to speak about calling the city into life and what happened was um, I was going to be speaking about how God gives us keys to the kingdom and how he gives you a specific calling on your life that only you can fulfill and nobody else can. And as a symbol of that, we went to Timpson's, uh, the shoe repairer place, the key cutting place. And we said, have you got any spare keys? Because we wanted to take keys with us as a symbol of the spiritual things that we were hoping God would do. So we took this big bag of keys with us. And um, during the service, um, we prayed for people and we gave them a key. And we said, this is a key which you keep in your pocket or in your purse or your bag or whatever as a reminder of what God has done in your life today. So it was just a spiritual symbol. Okay, so we were giving out these keys. And the next morning um, after the Saturday conference, I got up to speak at Queen's Park Baptist Church for their Sunday morning service. And a lady came down the aisle with a hand shaking up to the front and she had this key in her hand that we'd given her the day before and it was like, it was as though it was gold dust. It was so precious to her. And she opened out her hand and in broken English, she said to, to us, this is the key that you gave me yesterday. And the, there's a picture coming on the screen of the key. And, it, you know, all the keys that we got from Simpsons were all different. They were all different colours, shapes, sizes. Some of them had symbols. Some of them didn't. Some of them had ne names. Some of them had numbers. That was the key we gave her. And she said, I'm a, an asylum seeker from Syria. And she said, I feel like my life is, I've been feeling like my life has been so hard. I didn't know 
whether I was going to be able to continue another day. And she said, you gave me this key yesterday, she said. The initials across the top of the key, they are the initials of my name. First name, middle two names and surname. And I'm like, I just burst in tears and I'm thinking, I'm, I don't know what's going on here, but I, this is really messing with my head, like I said, miracles do. And I just suddenly thought, wow, do you mean, and, she, and see, it's what it did for her. She said, so God, so, so then God, God knows my name. I said, yeah, God knows your name. Yeah. And God, you mean God loves me? that much that he would inscribe the initials of my name on a key that you were able to give us without having any of that knowledge. Now, it's messed my head up more than it was messing her head up. She was just really happy about this key. And I'm thinking, I, don't, I can't understand it. And she said, but I didn't understand the number 61. It's not my house number. It's not anything, you know, it's not my birthday or my age or anything. I didn't understand the number 61 until I came to church this morning and you preaching from Isaiah chapter 61. So God knows your name and he knows the thing that you most need to hear. And that is the miracle that can call somebody into a transformed mind. The mind of Christ establishes himself when we allow the miracles of Christ to influence in those kinds of ways. And some people don't um, try to write the miracles off, don't they? Um, there's, there's liberal theologians out there. I heard a story about this Sunday school teacher who was trying to disprove miracles to her Sunday school class. And they were talking about how when Moses crossed over the Red Sea and God parted the sea. You know that story where God parts the sea and all the children of Israel walk across on dry land and then when the Egyptians try to follow, the sea comes back together and all the Egyptians are drowned and it was a miracle that happened in the Old Testament. And this Sunday school teacher's trying to disprove the miracle and she says to the class, actually it wasn't really a miracle that happened. What happened, that there were parts of the Red Sea where the, the, the seabed was, was really low and it had kind of dried up a bit and oh, what Moses did was he was a good leader so he, he went along and he found the part of the sea where there was not much water and just a few inches of water and, 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 the, and he took them across there so it wasn't really a miracle but it was still a cool thing she's saying to the class and this little boy stands up and he goes miss it's a miracle it's a miracle she said no I've just told you it's not a miracle you're not listening. So yeah, it's a miracle that all those Egyptians were drowned in just a few inches of water. <laughs> so they, 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 you know, our minds try and work stuff out, but you can't have a miracle of parting the sea and a miracle of drowning at the same time. The two things don't go together. But you can explain away all of the supernatural things that God has done in your life since you were a child. Things that you can't explain. Things that people said to you at school. Things that your parents said. Things that just happened. Spiritual presence. Call it what you like. Things where something has spoken to you and you just can't shake it off 
Those are the things that cause us to be renewed in our minds and to know that there is a God who knows your name. He's got a plan for your life. There's no other plan that's going to fulfill you like his plan. And God will just come and blow your mind if you let him. Let go of some of the things that are holding that process back. I want to encourage you today. And I just want to finish with one more miracle story. And it's another key story that happened to a different lady who was at that uh, Sunday service. And we gave her another key. A few months after we gave her that key, we were launching my charity, which is called Redeeming Our Communities Rock, at the Glasgow, Royal Glasgow Hall in, in Scotland. We had about one and a half thousand people there and Queen's Park Baptist Church offered to do the hospitality for our team, offered to do the catering. And this lady, as she was getting ready, the, the meals ready for the team, came running over to me and she said, a few months ago you gave me a key. And I really need to, I'm like, oh great, it's another key story. It's going to be fantastic for when I'm preaching, getting all these key stories lined up. Another key story, it's brilliant. And she said, yeah, you gave me a key at Queen's Park Baptist Church. She said, and I want you to know, she said, but I'm a primary school teacher. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. And she said, I've told all my class that I'm a Christian as much as I'm allowed to speak about my own faith in class. They all know that I'm a Christian. And she said, and we've, we, I, I, go, I get the key on the Saturday. I go into work on the Monday morning and I'm really full of faith because I've got this key in my bag. And she said, we've got a cupboard in the classroom that never, we've never been able to open. The key's been lost. Um, other than breaking the cupboard, and it's a really nice cupboard, we can't get in. And she said, I got the key in the bag. And she said, I've suddenly got this, this sort of surge of faith. I'm going, all right, and I'm, I'm starting to feel really nervous, so she's telling me this story. I've got this surge of faith, she said, so I said to the class, I've got a key in my bag. I was at a Christian conference, and you know I'm a Christian. I've got a key in my bag, I'm going to get the key out of the bag, and she said, and I believe that that key is going to open that cupboard. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, Lord. So she gets the key out of the bag, out of her bag. She walks across, and all the, all the kids are sat there going... Has Miss lost the plot? What is she doing? And she walks over to the cupboard. She puts the key in the lock. And it doesn't open. No, it does. <laughs> that would be a really bad story, right? The key didn't open the lock. It opened the cupboard. And uh, the kids were all like, oh. And the thing is that really amazes me about that story is her faith her faith that she believed God was going to do something supernatural the mind's telling you it's not going to happen but a surrendered mind a transformed mind a mind that's being renewed a mind which is in the mind of Christ and is becoming more and more like the mind of Christ tells us by faith we can live this way and I want to encourage us today to surrender our minds to the Lord, that we would love the Lord our God with all of our minds, but allow him to transform the mind so that the miracles of Christ can break into your life and to give you a life of purpose where you're not just able to open a cupboard in a classroom, 
that would be really cool. But what's better than that is that your life has a purpose to open up the things of God, to be used by him, to open not a cupboard, but open a community, to open uh, things up in your workplace, to open up the lives of people around you because of your faith in Christ. Can we stand together? Father, we thank you for um, the way in which you use our minds and we surrender to you afresh today. We thank you for the, transform, the transforming power that you have, um, the way in which, God, that we're increasingly like you because of the way that we trust you and because of the way that you work in us. It's not us, Lord, it's you who are working within us. Lord, would you come and blow our minds today with the possibilities and the miracles of life, of the supernatural power of the living God. And I want to pray for anybody who's here who uh, would like to know the experience of that. Maybe for the first time, like it was for me standing in that church, Maybe if you want to offer your life to Christ today, while every eye is closed, just raise a hand so that I can see you and so that I can pray for you. Because I know that the Spirit of God is speaking to all of us here this morning. So just raise your hand and we want to pray for you. If you want to give God, thank you. I want to give God that opportunity. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every heart, for every mind. You'd overshadow us with your presence today. Overshadow us with your spirit today, Lord, that we might know you be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.